Hey, it's so good to welcome you to Fields Church Online, and we are so pleased that you've tuned in for this message. No matter what's going on in your world right now, we pray that you come away feeling encouraged by this message. So we're all fascinated to hear what you're going to talk about, because we think we've just sung lots of songs about hills and mountains, so intrigued. But I'm just going to pray for him before he speaks. So, Father God, I just thank you for this, uh, this, man, this man of God who's, who spent time with you looking at this message. I thank you, Lord, that he has a message to bring, but, Lord, it's a message from you. And I pray, Lord, that the words that he gives are the truth and that they will just set people free. Thank you, Jesus, my friend Mark. Amen. I have to tell you a story about Steffi, though. Today we've been thinking, or we, we, you shouldn't be thinking, but I'm sure you are thinking about lionesses. Yeah. First things first, um, if at any point something amazing happens in the earpiece that you've hidden, um, if you could contain your excitement until an appropriate inspirational and motivational part of the message, and then feel free to go, yes, but keep it in until then. Because if it's a really quiet, dull, serious moment, and then all of a sudden you're bouncing around and go, yes, um, then it's, I don't know, it's just, it's going to be obvious that you're not really paying attention. So, first of all, thank you for all being here today. Um, It either means you're you're not interested in football, or you didn't read the Friday email. Because if you'd read the Friday email, and it says, oh, Mark's talking, it would be Mark football, Mark our football. So, thank you. Anyway, back to what I was going to say. Um, So, what I wanted to talk about, I was hoping it was a bit of a controversial title, um, is about um, singing about the hills. So, if we just have a very quick look at the first verse of the sort of chapter that I want to look at this morning. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now this is one of a series of psalms which were songs of ascent. So they were songs which were written, they're part of the psalms, but they were songs which were sung while the people of Israel went to Jerusalem for a holiday or a feast or something. So nowadays, we, we might sing the wheels on the bus go round and round. Or the gentleman, when we've been to Bradford, Ian put together a playlist of songs, um, which was on Spotify, I believe, and some rascal got on there, and I believe there's the occasional, it might be Steps or the Spice Girls or whatever, sort of intervenes in the song. So we sort of had songs of ascent, but they weren't quite what was meant in Psalms. So I want to look at what, the he, what David or what the psalmist was sort of talking about where he says, I look up to the mountains, does my help come from there? And I want to look at it from the perspective of mountaintop experiences which happened prior 
to this happening? Because we all talk about life as a, as a journey and all that sort of business. It's one of those sort of church phrases, a bit like leaning in and stuff like that, which I hate. Um, but we also talk about having mountaintop valley experiences. But I think we know what we mean. Life goes through ups and downs. But when we look back, we tend to mainly remember the good things. So I want to think about, do we look at our past mountain experiences? We often see the past as a really great place. It's a fantastic place to live. Um, we like the past. I am a certain age. So um, I have more past, probably, than I have future. So... There's a lot which is really, really great about the past. Cindy and I have just got back from a holiday, and we spent a little bit of time in Florence. I spent less time in the hotel room than Cindy did, so I would leave her once or twice in the air-conditioned room where I went round in 35 degrees of heat just to look at architecture. Because it's brilliant. The, the buildings there are amazing. They're fantastic to look at, to appreciate. And we went on a tour where the guy told us about the Medici family, which were like central in um, establishing Florence as the sort of center of the Renaissance period and all that sort of thing. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be great to have lived then? But then you realize, well, actually, it would have been great if you were a Medici but the rest of the population scrabbled round in filth, dirt, and all the rest of it. Occasionally, we think about Dickensian England. We might think about Victorian England. You think, wouldn't it be love to, lovely to have lived then and worn wigs and sort of had a bustle or all that sort of thing? And, oh, Mr. Darcy, and wouldn't it be great? But actually, that was the privileged few. Most people, again, were scrabbling around, no health care. You gave birth to 20 children, three survived. And it wasn't really a very nice place to be. I was thinking, um, actually not very long ago, about a really great year. It was warm in June. We had summer at some point in June, didn't we? And there was a lot of reference back to 1976. Who remembers 1976? Fantastic. So 1976 was amazing. It was great. We look back at it. We refer back to it. It was a great time. We had a very long, hot summer. I looked up some facts about the summer. It, the, the temperature achieved over 80 degrees Fahrenheit every day between the 22nd of June and the 16th of July. In London, it was over 90 degrees every day between the 23rd of June and the 7th of July. So it was one of those times where you think back. I can remember 1976. Because in the summer of 1976, I left Gorsland Primary School in Martlesham, and I spent the summer playing on the heath uh, um, off 
Foxhall Road, where the water tower stands, before they built most of the houses there. So I just went over there and just played all summer. It was great. And Broke Hall School, where Josh and Nina's children go, opened in 1976. And that's where I transferred to. So I did my last two years at primary school at Broke Hall School. And me and my mate Chris, who now lives in Australia and is a policeman, but me and my mate Chris, we were over the, the, the heath all summer and we sort of moseyed round to the school. Like, oh, we're going to this school. Let's go in. Let's have a look. And we ended up helping them set up the chairs, the desks and everything in this new school. So it was great. It was a brilliant summer. 1976 was the first commercial flight of Concorde. So a real sort of point in aviation history. Uh, Brotherhood of Man won the Eurovision Song Contest with Save All Your Kisses For Me. All about a three-year-old girl's dad going off to work, if you listen to the lyrics. Um, we won't go into who won the league because, frankly, it's boring. Um, Southampton won the FA Cup. I can remember that. They wore their away kit yellow, and Laurie McMenemy was their manager. He was a, um, a, a guy from the northeast of England. I didn't have a clue what he said, but he was very happy. The first branch of Body Shop opened in 1976. James Hunt, a very good-looking playboy character, won Formula One in 1976. Most important thing, though, um, Status Quo's famous album, Blue For You, was released. Absolutely fantastic. So there are amazing things that we can remember about 1976. Sadly... During 1976, on average, inflation was 16.5%. At one point, it hit 24%. We had the Notting Hill riots at the carnival. A hundred police were in London's West End. We had a cod war with Iceland. So there was an argument over fishing boundaries, which caused confrontation on ships. Um, Dennis Healy, the, the Chancellor, had to borrow £2.3 billion from the IMF because the country was largely bankrupt. So it wasn't all great. Um, we think it's brilliant, but we probably would have been driving round in an Austin Maxi or a, a, a Morris Marina or an Austrian Alleg Austin Allegro. So cars which didn't have air conditioning, remember it was really hot that summer, didn't have power steering, so driving it was a workout, and they involved those mysterious things called chokes that we never really quite balanced or got right. So it wasn't all great. Internationally, it wasn't great. 16th of June 1976 was the Soweto Uprising. We don't quite know how many people were killed. They think probably around 700 in South Africa. So we look back and often we'll see amazing things in our memory. We remember the mountaintops, but obviously also at the same time, we may well live 
through valleys and different other things that go on. So I want to think about if we're looking at the past, can we learn from the past? Can we be encouraged from the past? Can we remember those mountaintop experiences? So when they were singing their song of ascent, they were going to Jerusalem, they sang about mountains. So can we think about and can we consider previous mountaintop experiences? Carl, do you want to press a button? Thank you. So let's look through the Bible at mountaintop experiences. We often read about these and we don't actually think through what was behind this. So a famous mountaintop experience was when the ark landed on Mount Ararat after the, the flood. Noah and his family were saved from a particular situation. God told Noah to build a boat nowhere near the sea. God told Noah it's going, there's going to be a flood. They hadn't had a flood before. The people mocked him. It took hundreds of years to build this boat. It took a very long time. He was saying well, to the people who mocked him, it's, it's, there's going to be a flood. Effectively, it's going to rain. They'd never had rain before. They didn't know what actual rain was. And yet they trusted God and God saved them. We may be able to look back in our experience and see how God has saved us from particular situations. We may be able to look back and be grateful A couple of years ago, I was driving home from work and I um, had to go, I think I had to go to the post office for something. And I was hammering home from work, I was a bit late, I possibly was exceeding the speed limit, but I was certainly driving as fast as I possibly could to get home. Cindy was at home and she felt the need to pray for me. She somehow just felt the need to pray for me for me being safe driving home. So I drive to work every day, I drive home every day, but this one day she felt the need to pray, so she prayed. So I was driving home, and the logical way for me to get to the post office meant I would stay on the dual carriageway, or stay on a fast road as long as I possibly could. And on the fast road, I was maximizing my speed. But for some reason, I felt I'll turn off this road, and I'll go a slightly different way, where there was a 30 mile an hour limit. And I was on a road with a 30 mile an hour limit, so I was driving slowly. And I went over a bump, and the suspension on the car completely collapsed. The wheels folded under the car. It just went Doof! And I got out, and I was, obviously I was a bit sort of upset that my car had broken. I could have been driving on the dual carriageway at 70 miles an hour when the front of the car collapsed. I wasn't. I was doing probably about 15 miles an hour on this road. God saved me from a, a, from a previous situation. So we can look back 
at these things. We can look back. We can look back in the Bible at Noah was um, saved from a situation. God can still save us from situations. Abraham. We can look back at another instance. And when the psalm was written, the people of Israel could look back at another situation. Abraham didn't have a son. He had no children. God promised him he would have children. We know the story. Eventually, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, had Isaac. Isaac was born. It was hurrah. We've had the provision that God has said he would give us. Then one day... God says to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. Gosh, I've been promised that son. This was the per I've been told I'm going to be the father of many nations. I've got a child. Now I've got to kill him. Abraham did what he was told. He took his son, he um, traveled, he went to Mount Moriah. And he was just about to sacrifice his son when an angel appeared and said to Abraham, no, don't do it. And he saw there was a ram in a thicket and he then sacrificed that ram. God will give us amazing provision. When we need it, God will step in and will stand in. I can remember a few years ago, um, I had a, a blue Vauxhall Astra, which was a replacement for my pr- previous brown Vauxhall Astra. Now, that's a classy vehicle. Now, funny story about the brown Vauxhall Astra. I was working in Colchester at the time, and I worked late. I went to the car park in the evening. My car wasn't where I thought I'd left it. Now, I worked with a bit of a rascally team, and I thought, I'll tell you what, they've moved it. Because I must admit, I've done that in the past. I had a friend when I was... <laughs> I had a friend in the past. We went camping, and one of the guys... Um, I won't tell you his name, because you may... But anyway, one of the guys had a, a, a Reliant Robin for those of you who know, a fiberglass three-wheel car. Bit of a joke. So anyway, there was four of us, and we thought, tell you what, he's, he's gone off somewhere. We will pick his car up, and we'll hide it in a tent. So we did. <laughs> we picked this guy's car up, and we put it in a tent, shut the flaps, left it in there, and let him run around panicking for quite some time before we told him, we've hidden your car in a tent. So I thought, maybe this is payback. So anyway, the brown Astra was stolen. Bizarrely, it was used as a getaway car (laughs) in a robbery nearby, which I accepted. It was written off on the basis that it ran out of petrol. They tried to jemmy the petrol cap off, so there was a bit of a dent. That was enough to write the car off. What I was really galled about, however, was that when they obviously left the car, they took, I had various things in the boot which they stole, they left my entire cassette collection (laughs) in the car. So my entire collection of status quo albums through the ages were left in the car. They nicked everything else, didn't want those. Anyway, 
the car after that was a lot more precious to me. So I got this blue Astra. And at the, my mother-in-law at the time was, was sort of struggling a bit financially. And I, I prayed and I felt I need to give her my car. So we prayed about it. And this car was quite precious because the previous one I'd had nicked. And I, it, you know, it was a bit of an effort to then go get another car. And I gave that car to my mother-in-law, who then drive, drove it for, for a very long time. But God provided us the wherewithal to get a replacement car. But only once I'd, give, once I'd given that car away. I didn't have it when I gave the car away. A bit like Abraham. The provision was there when he was willing to give it away. It was, again, it was another mountain experience. God will give us amazing provision. God will give us stuff. He will step in there for us. And the Israelites knew that. That was another mountain story. Another mountain story they would very much be aware of is Moses. So Moses met with God on Sinai. Moses went up the mountain and he met with God. And he heard from God and God spoke to him. While he was up the mountain, he received the Ten Commandments. He received a whole lot of instruction about um, how to build the temple and various rules and regulations and a whole lot of stuff. Moses spent a lot of time up the mountain hearing from God. So much so that when he came down, he had to wear a veil because his face shone because he'd been in the, been in the presence of God so closely, so intimately for so long. We can have that mountaintop experience as well. We can hear from God. God wants to speak to us. I can remember when Dan, my eldest son, was born. Before he was born, I had a fairly, I had a half decent job, company car, all that sort of thing. Um, so, child coming along, I was made redundant. So I lost my job, and I lost the, the company car. Actually, I was allowed to keep it during my notice period when I went to work for someone else, and I managed to write it off, which wasn't a very good experience, but nonetheless. But one of the things, now, I don't know if, if this is me um, being proud or whatever, but one of the things that really bugged me is I did not, I wanted to tell the truth on my child's birth certificate. And when I went to register the birth, I did not want to register it, child's name, signed, Mark Tree, occupation, unemployed. I just didn't want to do that. Call it pride, whatever, that I'll just... I'll confess to that. So I was praying, God, I would like a job. I would really like a job to be able to do this. There's, there, we'll come back to the story later on. But the day before Dan was born, I didn't have a job. The night when Daniel was born, I didn't have a job. I had a promise of interview the next day. Now, if you know Daniel, bless him, he does like to be comfortable. So 
A, he was born two weeks late, and B, when the birth started, he was in no rush to come out because he was comfy. So he stayed in there. So the birth took absolutely ages. So I, you know, it, it was a very painful experience for me. A number of times, my <laughs> a number of times my hand was squeezed quite hard. And I had to stay awake and be attentive at all times. So the following day, I had a job interview. So I went to the job interview, and guess what? Halfway through the job interview, during quite a long question, I fell asleep. <laughs> so I went to this job interview. It was at Suffolk College in Ipswich, and I can remember sitting there, and it was quite warm, and I can remember this long question, and, oh, sorry, what was that? But I got the job. It was amazing. So a few days later, when I went and registered the birth, God came through. I could put an occupation on there. God had, pro or I believe that God had promised me that I will give you that, and I believe from it. I believed it, and I got it. Because we can, if we spend time with God, we will hear from God, and he will follow through. Other mountain experiences that went prior to this being written. Elijah. You probably know the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. Now, I didn't realize some of the facts behind this story till only a few days ago, and I thought it was amazing. So, the people of Israel uh, at this point weren't doing terribly well. They were worshipping the god Baal. Now, the god Baal was the god of weather, rain, and storms. So God spoke to Elijah, and Elijah told the king, it will not rain until I say it will again. So God picked the one thing which the god Baal, God in inverted commas, was supposed to control and said, guess what? He can't control it. I can. It's not going to rain. So it didn't rain. Then Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to effectively a duel. And he said, let's meet on Mount Carmel and you make a sacrifice, I'll make a sacrifice and we'll have a challenge. So call on your God. So Baal, remember, was the God of rain and storms. So he should be able to cause lightning to strike and, and burn the offering up. So they brought an offering. Mount Carmel was renowned for its thunderstorms. There were frequently storms over Mount Carmel. So it was the obvious place. Let's do it here. There'll be a storm. There are always storms. So call on your God. Guess what? They couldn't do anything. God did it like that. And Elijah had an amazing victory. The, the prophet, apparently that's what their God did. So Elijah had this amazing victory. God had brought about this amazing victory. We can know amazing victories. I went through an alcoholic phase I can remember going and buying drink in the morning, shaking. And it was really embarrassing 
having to go and then put your PIN number in where you could bear, your finger couldn't barely hit the number to do your number to do the PIN number. And that really gripped me. But God released me from that. It wasn't easy. For those of you who have had addictions and whatever, whether it be an addiction to drink, to smoking, to, to, to whatever, breaking that can be really difficult. But God brought about what I, what I consider to be an amazing victory. And he came through with his support. A victory which, you know, was very, very hard fought and hard won. So we can have mountain experiences where there are victories. God can bring us about those victories. Bringing it right close to the Psalms. David was being chased by King Saul. King Saul was desperately trying to kill him. David had had an opportunity to kill Saul once. You may remember the story where um, David was hiding in a cave and Saul went in to go to the toilet. David had the opportunity to stab him, but he didn't. A little while later, David and his band of men were hiding on a mountain. Saul had been told that David was hiding there and he took 3,000 men in order to capture David and his crew. So Saul arrived at the mountain. It was nighttime. Saul and his men were sleeping. Saul was sleeping in the middle of a ring of soldiers. So he had his soldiers in a ring around the outside. Saul was sleeping in the middle. Next to his head, there was a spear in the ground which he'd obviously just put there before he went to sleep, and a water jug. David and his men crept in. They got to the middle. His men said, David, now's your chance. Quick, there's a spear there. Stick it in his head. Kill him. David said, no, this is the Lord's anointed. If God wants him to die, God will make him die. If God wants him to live to the end of his natural life, God will let him live to the end of his natural life. I'm not doing it. David took the spear, took the jug, got away in a safe distance, shouted, woke Saul up and the captain of his guard and explained what had happened. Saul apologized for doing what, what he'd been trying to do. It wasn't necessarily the end of the story, but at that point in time, David did the right thing. David had every opportunity to do something which personally would have been great. He'd been given a promise, you will be the next king. So he could have sort of just hurried the process up, because I'm going to be the next king. There's the king, I've got a spear, there's his head, I can sort it out now. But he knew that wasn't the right thing, so he left it. God can help us do the right thing. Going back to, to my, my story about lost job, whatever. Twice during that period of time, I went for a job interview, and twice I was offered another job, earning the same salary as I had in my previous job, with all the benefits of my previous job, but somehow neither of those jobs felt right. So I prayed about it, and... 
you know, I was desperate for this job because, like, like I said, I had a child on the way. I'd actually just bought another house. So I'm, I was desperate for a job, but both of them, it just somehow didn't sit right. Both times I phoned up the people after they'd offered me the job and said, I'm really sorry, I can't accept your job offer. And both times the people said, why, have you got something else? I said, no, I haven't got anything else. I've prayed about it. I don't think it's right. They both thought, probably, I was absolutely bonkers. In fact, one of them, I think, told me that. But I, didn't th- I just didn't think it was the right thing. With hindsight, afterwards, one of the companies shortly afterwards went bankrupt anyway. And afterwards, one of the guys who offered me the job was sacked for embezzlement and all sorts of dodgy goings-on. So with hindsight, I was grateful that, I, that God told me, don't take those jobs. So God can guide you. Another mountain can be doing the right thing. So it's really encouraging to look back at mountain experiences, to look in the Bible at mountain experiences about where does my help come from? My help comes from God. Because in those mountain experiences, in those experiences where you need help, he will help you. He will help you do the right thing. He will provide for you. He will save you. He will give you victories. He is there. The biggest mountain experience, however, Jesus died for us. It doesn't have to be about the past. It doesn't have to be. I'm, I, I am ashamed to admit, a lot of those stories I've told you are, it wasn't something that happened yesterday. It doesn't have to be stuff that happened years ago. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will still help us. We can still have those mountaintop experiences now. I know sometimes, we, like I said, we look at the past and we think, oh, the past was great. But now is just as great. God is still working for you. In Isaiah, um, the prophet was looking back and was looking at how historically God had saved Israel. And in chapter 43, Isaiah says, having gone through and explained how God had protected Israel, he said, but forget all that. It's nothing compared with what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. So we may be able to look back and say, look at what God did in the past. Look at these previous mountain experiences. Look at what he's done for us before. God says, I can still do more. There are new things. There are other things which I can and I will do. The prophet Jeremiah was lamenting the, the, um, the fall of Jerusalem was looking back and saying, you know, everything isn't good, everything isn't great. But then he says in Lamentations, 
The faithful love, great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I hope in him. His mercies are fresh every morning. There can be a new mountain experience every morning. God continue to help you. It's not all in the past. It is also now. It is also the future. In Corinthians, it says that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The old life is gone. The new has begun. We are new. God is doing new things. You may have things in your past which maybe aren't so great. You may be looking back and saying, yeah, but I haven't got many of these experiences. I haven't got all of this. But in um, Philippians, it tells us, to forget the past, look forward to what lies ahead. We press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. God continues to work. God continues to help us, continues to support us. So let's just have a very quick look at the remainder of that psalm. Let's read a little bit more. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. So I just want to encourage you this morning. You may be able to look at previous mountain experiences. You may look at the past and be able to see how God has brought you through things, how God has provided you with things. But that doesn't stop. His blessings are new every morning. He has something new for you today. He has something new for you tomorrow. He has something new for you moving forwards. So, where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If you don't know God, if you're not sure of what we've been talking about and you think, I would really like that help, then you can have it. If maybe you've got all of these experiences in your past, and you say, yeah, 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 I did all that, I tried that, but people have upset me, stuff's got in the way, uh, and so on. God is still looking out for you, still 
wants that relationship with you, you can still come back. You can still have his protection, his mountain experiences. God is for you. God still wants to look over your life, to protect you, to be in relationship with you, to help you, to be with you. All you need to do is ask. It's just a prayer away. And again, prayer is not a big thing. It's not a, it's not a performance. It's not something that has to have clever words and be perfectly crafted. It's just words. It's just us talking to our Heavenly Father. It's us talking to God. So where does your help come from? Your help can come from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you for your help. We thank you that we can look back at how you have helped us in the past, how you've helped us through things, how you've provided for us, how you've done things for us. But we thank you, Father, that this is something that you want to do now. This is something that you want to do with us now and in the future. So, Father, I pray that you will draw near to us as we draw near to you. And we thank you, Father, that you provide, that you are our Heavenly Father. You love us, you look out for us, and you want to be in relationship with us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. There will be a team of people who are either at the front or will be just around for the rest of the morning. So if there's anything you want prayer about, if there's anything you need prayer about, if there's anything you want to talk about, then they're here, they're available to pray. So thank you. And look, we'll look forward to seeing you all again next week. I wish you all a blessing this week with your help coming from the Lord. God bless.